Most impact folks are pretty good working and engaging their heart. But we also have to do the hard and disciplined work of training our heads and our hands. Welcome to the Journey to Impact podcast, where we show you how to turn your unique passion into a strategy to change the world. We've done a series of episodes on the Impact Toolbox, and today we'll wrap up by talking about the last two tools, exploratory trips, and impact-minded for-profit businesses. It's time to get off the bench. Let's do this. Here's your host, Ed Gillendine. Another really important tool is what I call exploratory trips. This was something that I stumbled into, but it ended up being one of the more important things that I've learned and one of the more important tools. Most people feel like spending time and money on investigative trips is a waste. That's certainly how I felt. Why would I go to Ethiopia, for example, without a purpose? And so for the first several years, I would always go with the purpose to either help the organization that I was working with, the Forsaken Children, or to take a medical team down. We were always, we always have sort of had a point, but I always took the time to sneak away from what I was trying to do and dig around with other businesses, explore the businesses, explore the parts of Ethiopia. And then after several years of that, I realized, you know what, that's been really helpful for me to learn the culture and see what opportunities are out there. And that's when uh, my good friend John and I, we would simply take trips to explore. And what we learned was much more important in the long run than any sort of immediate impact we could have had just going, say, on a medical mission trip, for example. So if you want to impact literacy issues like we just talked about for any inner city school kids at your city, doesn't it make sense that you ought to make a couple of visits to the local literacy center? If you want to impact healthcare in a developing country, don't you think you might ought to take a trip or two to that particular country to understand what the real issues are for the stakeholders, not just the stuff that you get from the UN or USAID off their website. So if you think about in our financial lives, we would probably never consider making a major investment without doing extensive research. And yet in the area of impact, we hardly do any, right? We just kind of take people's words for it. This is a great organization or somebody calls and tells a good story on the phone. Oh, we're going we're gonna to give to the the fireman burn unit or whatever it is. And we don't check it out at all. We don't ask, does it really fit in our strategy? When Liz and I visited the Memphis Child Advocacy Center for the first time, it really helped us better understand what they were doing. Even little things like the flow of guests and clients coming into the building and how careful they had to be with these children that had undergone abuse, particularly sexual abuse. And how even law enforcement had to be trained in how to help these children tell them what had happened without causing even more trauma. But simply by going down there and getting a tour, it really, really helped us. And so it gave us the sense that that organization and its people, the Memphis Child Advocacy Center, was a fit for us and for our strategy. I mentioned the exploratory trips that I took to Ethiopia. And over time, I learned so much about the culture, about the political and tax structure of the company, excuse me, about the political and tax structure of the country. I met a lot of local business and NGO leaders. If we hadn't have taken that time 
John and I, I don't think we would have had any idea of the challenges that come with even just communicating in a country with over 80 different languages, 200 different dialects, right? There's no way I would have understood the differences between the Orthodox Church, the Protestant Church, and the Muslim community. The religion in Ethiopia is in every area of life. And then you also have the traditional tribal communities, even still have things like in the rural areas, you still have witch doctors and those sorts of cultures. And without taking those five or six years to wander around Ethiopia and explore and experience those things, I don't think Highland harvesters would have been able to get off the ground. I learned about their banking system, right? I learned that they're starved for U.S. dollars. And that has a huge impact on how they treat foreigners and foreign investments. So my point is, you need to take the time not only to read and research, and we can do that a lot easier with access and technology on the internet now, but you need to go visit and talk to the people in the area that you want to have impact in. And you need to experience it, just like we did at the Memphis Child Advocacy Center. And that's even more critical if you're going to have impact in a culture that's not your own or that you're not familiar with. I want to close the conversation on the Impact Toolbox with the tool that I call Impact-Minded For-Profit Businesses. And obviously, this is near and dear to my heart because this is what Highland Harvesters is, right? But it grew out of all these things we've been talking about in these podcasts. So the idea of a impact-minded for-profit business is it's growing in popularity because of the success that they're having, not necessarily financially, although that's a part of it, but touching all these different social and environmental areas as well. There are a lot of different names for these types of organizations. You'll hear them called socially responsible companies, triple bottom line companies, So triple bottom line is financial, social, and environmental. Uh, Faith-based, you'll have quadruple bottom line, right? Financial, social, environmental, and spiritual. Uh, Social impact investments, venture philanthropy. There's a bunch of different names that they go by, but the common denominator is a focus on profit and social and environmental benefits. So a lot of people feel like a business should focus on maximizing shareholder profit And I think you can make a really strong legal argument that's true. A lot of that came out of probably the 80s and 90s. And, you know, one of the poster children for leading that charge was Jack Welch at GE, where he famously every year would fire the bottom 20% uh, producers in the company. I, I totally understand where leaders like him were coming. They were trying to be efficient, trying to compete on a global stage. But with that push toward profits at all cost, we lost the balance that is a true healthy company and the fact that there's a lot more to running a for-profit business than just making money. And everybody intuitively knows that that's true, right? Every business spends money on what I call soft issues. So think about gifting to local nonprofits, extra employee benefits, Right. I mean, in an environment where you have a tight labor market, you have to provide extra benefits for your employees if you want to keep them. And that may be as 
simple as a nice office work environment, right? But every business does that. I think the difference is the motive, at least that's what it seems to me, because people who focus on profit exclusively, the motive is probably that those soft expenses we were just talking about generate financial benefits over the long run, like PR, employee loyalty, customer loyalty, you know, less employer turnover. That's always an expensive thing. So if you can reduce it, then that adds to your bottom line. So their motivation is that these things that they do, these soft expenses, generate financial benefits or, like in the case of reducing employee turnover, it's just simply a cost of doing business, right? Impact-minded businesses, though, their motivation is that profit and social-slash-environmental impact is not exclusive, and that's, that's where I stand, but it's inclusive, it's mutually inclusive to the operation of the business. I would say that most of the impact businesses that I see And a lot of them, you may not even know that that's how they think if you don't talk to the ownership group or the managers, but they typically are taking a holistic approach to their organizational structure, to their purpose, to their strategic vision, and then it flows down through the company. They seem, impact businesses that is, seem in my experience to be really effective in developing countries. I'll give you an example, and I've probably mentioned this several times in the podcast, the previous podcast. But with Highland Harvesters in Ethiopia, which is a socially responsible quadruple bottom line business, one of the things that we wanted to do specifically was to encourage the hiring and employing of women. And so we've been able, I believe, of, of, all of our employees, 55% of them are women, last time I checked. But that is not something that is the cultural norm, particularly in rural Ethiopia where we are. So we bumped up against some of the men in the community expecting to get that job. So is Highland Harvesters a for-profit company? Absolutely it is. What are those profits for? Is it solely for-profit? Absolutely not. We want to impact social change. We want to provide living, working incomes for people that didn't have them before. And it seems to me, at least in my experience, not just in Ethiopia, but all over the the globe, and that includes the United States, when you have a holistic approach to business, not just focused on profits, you can many times make good profits, but the motivation is to have impact. And that impact could be really good benefits for your employees, It could be significant support of impact organizations, not-for-profit impact organizations in your city. It could be you take the profits and you pour them into other impact businesses, right? But there's an awful lot of flexibility, and they seem to be, on the whole, more sustainable than most other vehicles that I've seen for impact. So let me say this as I wrap up these sessions on the impact toolbox. Just like a skilled tradesperson has a specialized set of tools that are important for the particular trade that they work in, you and I are in the impact trade. We want to be skilled impact craftsmen, and we're going to accumulate tools that are specialized to our particular strategic, unique area of impact. But every skilled tradesperson also has the same basic set of tools as everybody else. 
And those are the tools that we've been talking about. They're certainly not exhaustive. There's several others that I wish we had time to talk about, but these are the ones that I found to be most critical and most basic. And if you can master them, you'll be in a position to have significantly more impact. But the tools that we've talked about, they're the ones that need to be in everybody's toolbox. And I want to close with a quote that's attributed to Francis of Assisi. He said this, He who works with his hands is a laborer. He who works with his hands in his head is a craftsman. He who works with his hands and his head and his heart is an artist. When I read that, it just made me think, just like an artist works with his hands, his head, and his heart, those of us who want to have significant, catalytic, and sustainable impact have to do the same. Most impact folks are pretty good working and engaging their heart, but we also have to do the hard and disciplined work of training our heads and our hands. Until next time, remember these three words, embrace, build, and act. That is, embrace your unique vision of impact and continue to build on your unique impact strategy and act. Get off the bench. Get into the game. The world needs you. Thanks for listening. If you missed any of the previous episodes about the Impact Toolbox, you can find those along with all of our episodes at edgillentine.com. That's E-D-G-I-L-L. E-N-T-I-N-E dot com. Until next time, embrace, build, act.